0: try this again my question is have you begun to prepare for Easter so how do you answer that what does it mean to prepare for Easter and is it really necessary it's going to happen anyways right I think these are good questions to ask, or at least to consider as individuals. I don't know if any of you made the connection or not, but if you were here a couple of weeks ago, and I know it was a snow Sunday, and the attendance was kind of down, but a few weeks back, we provided you with a program to follow the Lenten season. How many of you got a hold of that and doing it? Okay, so that's good. Consisted of daily scripture readings and some contemplative projects, and and I've heard from a couple of young kids that they're doing the little rock garden thing and stuff like that and really taking it to heart, which really uh, blessed me. So what was the purpose of this? Obviously, it was to help you to prepare for Easter. The Lenten season itself was developed by the early church as a means of preparation for Easter. So we have centuries of church tradition and practice that say to us today, yes, it is necessary to prepare for Easter. Certainly there are varying degrees of preparation that may need to be taken based on who you are and what your role is in relationship to other people. For dad and mom, it may mean selecting new Easter outfits for the kids or if you have the tradition in your home, getting little Easter baskets. For mom, it might mean a special Easter dinner or an extended family gathering with an Easter egg hunt. For the religious, it may mean performing certain rituals or church services that acknowledge particular biblical themes, such as the Stations of the Cross, Palm Sunday, or Sunrise services. For the spiritual, it may mean extended times of reading and contemplating certain sections of scripture special worship services, or revisiting the Lord's table through a special Seder meal. Those are always good, aren't they? Mm. For myself personally, I like to read through the four gospel accounts regularly throughout the Lenten season, and over the past week I've been focusing on the resurrection accounts as described in each of the gospel accounts. In other words, I'd read it. the the resurrection account in Matthew and then I'd read it in Mark and then I'd read it in Luke and then I'd read it in John over and over again all week long. I've been doing that. It's been uh, very interesting. What seems to have struck me is that three of the accounts, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, focus mainly on a corporate experience. In other words, a group of people are going to the tomb And a group of people are responding to the tomb being found empty, and the emphasis is on the impact on the group. But the Gospel of John focuses on an individual's experience and at a whole variety of different levels. So Easter and Easter preparation can and should be focused on both the group or community and the community-wide impact, as well as how the individual is impacted. As a pastor, most of my attention in Easter preparation is geared toward the community. Such things as the sermon, the order of service, any special programs, will it be one or two services? Will our services be along the lines of any other weekly service or do we gear up for a big day event? And I and the leadership team have been busy doing just that, and I believe we're going to have an awesome big day Easter Sunday as a community. But more than that, we as a leadership team want you as an individual to have a powerful, fully participatory Easter Sunday, a power of the resurrection flowing in and through my life kind of day. Is that something you'd like? Do you like that, Tony? All right, you can have it. All right. One of the best ways I know of accomplishing that dynamic is to add an element of personal connection to the event. Now, if you remember last week when I was talking about unity, that I showed that unity can produce both power and pleasure. So what I want to do is to unite all of you as individuals to the leadership team, in making this Easter a big day event. And I believe that if you take that opportunity that we are about to provide your heart, you will come away with Resurrection Sunday with a very deep sense of satisfaction. So this is what we're going to do. Tony, could you pass these out? Everyone gets one. These are the uh, give me five flyers I mentioned last week just gives a little bit of an explanation on the front, but on the back you'll see five lines that says in front of it, name, name. And what I'd like you to do while you're listening to the rest of this sermon is to fill in five names, five people you would like to invite to the Easter Sunday service. We're going to have one service on Easter Sunday at 10 o'clock. And there's going to be some special things provided. We'll have the family portraits and all of that. And then at the end of the service, for each name that you fill out, we'll give you an invitation packet that will consist of information on this and an invitation to the photo shoot. On the back side of that is information that they provide to us. And they turn this coupon in to get their free family uh, portrait done, and if they don't ha- want to have a portrait, there's other giveaways that we have for them. And so it gives you an opportunity to extend an invitation to family, friends, associates, workmates, someone that you've been thinking, Boy, if I could just get this Joker into church some Sunday, I know they'd be blessed, and who knows what Jesus would do. And so here's an icebreaker Hey, what are you doing on Easter? I mean, Almost everyone goes to church on Easter, right? Or at least watches it on TV. So so you be doing that while I continue on. What I'd like to do is uh, to give you a reading today from the Gospel of John with a couple of comments to help you understand what it is that Jesus really accomplished on that first Easter Sunday morning when God raised him from the dead. Please note that although there is a corporate interaction, the real focus is on the individual who is willing to press in, look a little deeper, ask the question, and make the plea. The one who, even in the face of death and great personal loss, is not willing to let go of the hope she had in Jesus' I'm reading from John, the 20th chapter. I'm going to read, the, read the, right through the chapter to start with. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. To you get the feeling the other is, disciple is writing this account? Such a boy thing, huh? I can outrun Peter any day of the week. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, "'Peace be with you.' When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "'Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you.' And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "'Receive the Holy Spirit.'" If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So here are a few thoughts and comments for us to consider as we prepare for Easter. In verse 10, it says that, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary... Here, Mary has risen above the crowd, as well as above her own pain. When everyone else went home, went back to familiar and safe and comfortable surroundings, Mary did not. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. But this is not a weeping that incapacitates. This is a weeping that compels a weeping that says there must be an answer. Although I'm in pain, I still have a hope somewhere deep inside, and I can't just go home. I can't quit. I can't give up. I have to look deeper. Oh, I know that Peter and John just exited the tomb, and I know that all good reason says the tomb is empty, void of any life, that death has won its victory, but, but Mary and as she wept she stooped to look into the tomb and her tenacity is rewarded her seeking asking knocking has brought a reply she saw two angels in white amazing that Peter and John never noticed them sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. Did you catch that? She saw Jesus standing. Mary was one of the women who prepared Jesus' dead body for burial. She had washed it and anointed it with oil and spices and helped wrap it in burial cloths. And the last time she saw Jesus, he was not standing. He was a corpse lying flat on his back waiting for decay. No wonder she didn't recognize him. Her mind could not grasp the power of what was before her, the risen Lord of lords. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, why do you think she supposed him to be the gardener? Because they were in a garden. Remember John nineteen forty. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there in the midst of the garden. But there is much more to it than that. It is highly significant that this scene takes place in a garden and that Jesus is seen as the gardener by the one who loves him and is seeking him out. The garden is where it all began and where it was all lost. Genesis two eight it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. God, Jesus, is by nature the gardener. Genesis 3.23, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out, speaking of Adam, out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Man had been expelled because of sin from the garden. But in this garden, things have changed. Because things are now redeemed. Look at this scene from the garden during the fall of man in Genesis 3.9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. But here at the first Easter, we are in the garden of redemption, and everything is now eternally different. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which is teacher, Mary, a woman who instead of hiding in fear and shame at the sound of God's voice is openly seeking him and immediately answers his call. And rather than being the progenitor of the fall and originator of the curse of sin on humankind, she becomes the first apostle, the first messenger and bearer of the good news that salvation has come to all the world by the power of his resurrection. He is risen from the dead. One more garden-to-garden event that is significant in this section of scripture. In the first garden, when God formed the man, he enlivened him by breathing his own spirit into him, in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. In John 20:21, 20, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And with this act, Jesus reverses the power of the fall by giving authority over sin to the new man. What had gained rule over humanity as a consequence of the fall is now under our authority. And we are no longer slaves to sin. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Saints, we are no longer slaves to sin. We have authority over what once ruled us. Receive the Holy Spirit. Easter nothing less than the beginning and activation of a new people, a race of the redeemed saved by the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, transformed by the power of the resurrection and adopted into the family of the living God by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Are you prepared for Easter? (laughs) Are you really prepared for that? Holy Spirit, come, prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirits for the reality of the Easter message, O God, the power of Resurrection Sunday. Lord, we have a community all around us dying in darkness, and we sit in the safety of our little garden, O God. O God, that out of this place there would be a river that would flow, just like Eden, that would bring refreshing to the land, O God, cleansing and and salvation. That the power of the resurrection would not be lost in the pages of a book, O God, but would be lived by a people enlivened by the reality of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For our lives are no longer our own, but Christ lives through us, O God. This resurrection power, Holy Spirit, breathe on your church once again. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I just want to give you a minute to fill out your papers. And this is all part of what I'm saying. This is all part of this little thing. You know, you might just think, well, it's a cutesy little thing trying to get some people into the church. It's more than that. This is you saying to the Lord, I want to be active in bringing people into your kingdom. I want to be active as the breath of the Holy Spirit is active to enliven our community. I want to encourage you to post prayers up against the uh, scourge of heroin addiction and the overdoses going on. If you're on social network anywhere, just start posting prayers on a daily basis. If you see my prayer pop up, I'm going to be posting every day until this thing ends. You know, you can just... Connect to that and and add your prayer to it. You know, a simple amen, Lord, I stand in agreement. It adds your voice to my voice. I want us to get so loud down here that heaven can no longer ignore the plea of the saints for the salvation of the lost. We're going to be meeting in a month's time with the other area pastors right here. I believe this prayer time is preparation for that. They've already been informed. As a matter of fact, I was planning on informing them next month in the last pastor's meeting. We were only a minute into the meeting, and other pastors began to talk about exactly what I've been talking about. And the whole prayer meeting turned into focus on this dilemma. I got to extend the invitation, and they're all on board. They want to run with this thing. They want to see the salvation of the Lord come into the lakes region. I believe we're on the cusp of revival by unity. I said last week, sometimes it takes a, something bad happening, a purpose in it to unite us. And we've got a purpose to be united in. And I think it's the hand of the Lord. I don't think he will disappoint us. So if you've got some names there, uh, Tony, Judge, maybe you guys could do this for me.